tomorrow's national signing day. So to get you ready for what's going to happen with the Nittany Lions on the traditional signing day, recruiting insider uh, Ryan Snyder. almost called him Brian. It's been a long day. <laughs> Ryan Snyder is joining us on the show to answer your questions. So once again, you and Ryan are the star of the BWI Daily Edition. Let's get to it. there's brian how you doing tonight hey there tyler how are you <laughs> one of us is having a beer and it's not me but you wouldn't know it <laughs> well last what are we time drinking i came tonight? on the live show uh just a cold snap a good old sam adams but Perfect. last time i came on uh you know people were people were asking where my beer was so or something about drinking i remember so i was like hey two weeks later let's let's uh let's bring one down actually yeah. if i'm being mm -hmm. honest if we're going to be here a little while, I brought two, so <laughs> let's roll. <laughs> the other day, I had uh, I had some rum on the show after I recorded three podcasts in one day. I'm like, I don't care. Like, we're, we're doing this. So, Get it. Uh, Sam Adams, uh, Big Spring Spirits, I don't care. Anyone could be a sponsor of the live show if they want to be. Um, and that really is what brings us to what we're talking about tonight. It's what you want to know. Um, National Signing Day, we're going to take one last look back again at the class of 2023. Some interesting things I don't think we've covered. I have some prepared thoughts. I have some prepared things to talk about. But uh, what do you want to know? You got a question for Ryan. Is it a recruiting question about 23, 24? We're going to be talking about that tonight. I love this already, and uh, it's getting applause in the chat. Jason says, is it oh no or oh yeah? Which, of course, is where <laughs> we're starting today is with Chimdi Ono, uh, Penn State's target for this signing period, once again going after an offensive lineman. Ryan, uh, what are we talking about here? Certainly seems to be trending Penn State's way. Uh, I've seen so many national signing day surprises over the year that uh, I'd be I'm hesitant to say, yeah, it's, it's, it's a done deal or anything like that. But Penn State has a few things going for them. I think the relationship with Trout Wine uh, was really important. Trout's done a great job. We'll talk about Trout, I'm sure, later here, but he's obviously done a great job on the recruiting trail of late. I think the proximity, uh, Dundalk's right outside of uh, outside of Baltimore. I think that's how to hand it. He's a really bright kid. Really, I don't even want to call him a kid. He's 6'5", so uh, a really bright young man, we'll say. Uh, told me he wants to potentially major in, I think it was mechanical engineering or business. Two great schools for Penn State, obviously, as, as any uh, alum knows. So I think a few things there uh, really stacked up in Penn State's favor. I think Michigan State and Rutgers, uh, I don't want to say they're absolutely out of it because I've seen too many signing day surprises to uh, you know uh, put this in pen, I guess you'd say. But yeah. uh, multiple colleagues have put in picks. I didn't put in a pick just because Sean did put in a pick today. I try not to overlap and just overdo it. Uh, I think if uh, people see one of us putting in picks, uh, it's pretty much we're, we're both on the same board. So I expect Chimney. To, to be a knitting lion tomorrow, but uh, we will see. He's got one more night to sleep on it. You said 6'5". Uh, is he, like, the give us the measurables for people who are learning just now about Chim Ono and why Penn State's going after him. Yeah, 6'5 is a legit number. Uh, 270's all a legit number. We updated those after uh, catching up with some people following his official visit. Uh, I believe the reach was around 34, which is pretty much That's what good. you see with, with, yeah, yeah, with most. Yeah. Penn State really wants their, their guys to have a 34-inch reach, uh, you know, hands that are 9-plus. 
something like that. Yeah, I think his were. I think he was over the nine. I don't have it in front of me at the moment, but I remember thirty-four inch reach was certainly one. Uh, six five, two seventy, as I said. Uh, of course, Chimney really good in in, dis, in track and field as well. Uh, I think Javen Williams has gotten a lot of credit uh, for his shot put and discus numbers. Uh, Chimney's not far behind him. He had a sixty-one four in shot put this past year, one hundred seventy-five in the discus. Uh, to carry to Javen, I think Javen had like a sixty-six seven and one eighty-nine in discus. So, uh, you know that's. Part of the reason why Javen got those, that five-star rating is is not just what you see on the field, but obviously uh, what you get from track and field. Uh, obviously, lower body explosion, that plays a big yep. part in it. And uh, those numbers for Chimney are a big reason why uh, he joined the ON 300 before it was all said and done. I think the, the consensus has him at 207, and ON 3 has him at 210. So pretty similar numbers there um, yeah. as far as the, the rating goes. Yeah, and one thing that we've talked about, uh, and of course, if you want to follow Blue White Illustrated here on YouTube, we'll have breaking news if it breaks for Penn State. Uh, we'll also have coverage tomorrow of National Signing Day, so subscribe to Blue White Illustrated. Like the video if you're here. I know that there's a, a uh, the people are just shuffling in right now. Ryan, this is kind of the orchestra's warming up. They're dimming the house lights. People are still getting here. Uh, so uh, catch what Ryan just talked about on replay, but also please like the video. Helps everybody know that this is a show worth turning into. And Steven's here, as always. Love Steven. Great night. He says, walking the dog and listening to my favorite podcast. Love the fact that you're streaming us on YouTube while walking the dog. Somebody does not fear data limits. I love a man <laughs> who's brave like that. And if you want to donate to the channel, you want to get your question here on the show, uh, we will automatically talk uh, to people and we will answer the questions of people who give a, a donate like uh, Stephen with a super chat. But of course, we're talking to everybody in the chat tonight. Um, really raw, I think, is the way you describe Chim D. Ono. Tackle, and that addresses some of the things in the class that we can get to in a second. But um, in terms of guys that are con con going to contribute early, he's not on my list. Obviously, not going to be an early enrollee, but also from a, from a play perspective... Um, there's some things that I, he really does need to clean up before he's a, a finished product, uh, as they all do, but also physically and technically there, there's, some, there's a ways to go for him. Where do you place him, I guess, in your uh, pro projection cycle, quality prospect? You know, kind of if Pensei gets Ono, what are they getting uh, in your mind? Certainly seems to be a true tackle uh, from everything I've gathered from just talking to people. I mean, that, I think that's where they plan to start him out. I, I would put him similar both to Anthony Donko. There's, there's certainly things he can improve on, but I can mm -hmm. say the same thing about Alex Birchmeyer and Javen Williams, too. I mean, we can we can look at highlights and find all these things to uh, break down or, or pick apart, but they're high school offensive linemen. I mean, they're going to get to the Big Ten. They're going to get that coaching. Right. They're going to get that spring ball and all those little things that, that add up. Uh, it, there's no offensive lineman out there that's perfect. So I think you got the body size, you got the athleticism. You know, one thing with Chimney that really kind of stands out to me is is he seems to be a really intelligent player. That's really what people speak highly of him. Charles speaks highly of him with that. Mm -hmm. uh, his coach, uh, Tom Abel, speaks highly of that. I caught up with Tom not that long ago uh, to get his thoughts. Uh, seems to be good reading, uh, you know, with different concepts. He seems to be a fast learner. Obviously very physically gifted. But uh, to me, he's, he's a similar boat to Donko. I think... I think Javen has that high that high ceiling, right? That that everybody yeah. that's why he gets that five star rating. I think Birchmeyer is certainly the one uh, from a technique perspective that's the most ready to go. But I, I I can look at Chimney and I can look at Anthony Donko and say, man, you give these guys a year with Phil Troutwine, 
And and I don't want to say the sky's the limit, but the sky's the limit in, in a lot of different ways. So uh, we're going to get in. The, I think we're going to get in the trout and just what he's done. And I I, I want to push that the fact that we're we're breaking down all four star offensive linemen here. You know, there, right. there's there's yeah. I mean, we'll get into it a little bit more, but I mean, we're we're trying to break down guys where you know a few years ago Penn State was would done anything to have a class right. with four 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 star offensive linemen. We were talking about guys, and I remember doing profiles on guys that I'm like, well, yeah, he's got tackle length, but he really struggles with laundry list of things that make you uncomfortable about his projection in the next level. And with Chim Diono and and you you mentioned um, Donko, and I think you make a great point about kind of similar projection arcs. Um, mm-hmm. both those guys have all the tools you need. They have what it takes to be good offensive linemen. And I, I put this up here earlier, uh, but the senior beardsman on the podcast, Michael McCullen, he's back with a donation. He says, if Ono hits, how big is it for the Penn State offensive line? I think you could just kind of answer that, but a bona fide tackle, right? So that's what we're talking about. If, if he hits, that allows the flexibility of this group to really shine, which is what they were missing before, was a, ta- a true tackle that they want to start there and then that gives the flexibility for Birchmeyer, Williams, Donko, all those guys to play where they best fit. Is that is that a fair characterization? Yeah, I mean, the one thing I'd say is, I mean, Birchmeyer and Javen are both expected to start at tackle, too. So I'd, I want to obviously, like from our last time having formal discussions with, with uh, James Franklin, at least, in his last uh, recruiting press conference, that's what James uh, expected them to do. So how does Chimney impact that? Uh, time will tell, but just from yeah. my discussions with people over the span of, and this has been such a fast recruitment too. So I don't want to act like I'm a chimney Ono expert because this was like a six week recruitment basically. It was, he's been offered a little bit longer than that, but uh, really from a little bit before Christmas time is where this one really took off. So a lot to learn there, but I just, most people seem to think the tackles uh, his, his best uh, spot long term, but you can say the same about a lot of guys the, the, the last thing I'll just stress is, Penn State's always trying to find guys that can play multiple positions. Like every yeah. year I ask James Franklin the same question, and every year he answers it the same way. Uh, we want offensive linemen that can play inside, outside. I mean, and, you know, I, I get the same quote every year. I don't even know why I ask. I should just repeat from the, from the <laughs> year before because I, I I know what's coming. And, and, I, and I respect it too, and, and he's answering it truthfully. Uh, yeah. There's just always a bulk of offensive linemen in every class, so you have to, yeah. to get some sort of an offensive line question out of him when you're doing those press conferences. So this is, but this is kind of the conversation we had the other day. Uh, I think it was on on breaking news or it was somewhere else talking about Jalen Matthews and one just the one comment I have about a guy that's tall and that that plays and if he doesn't work out at tackle and he's a very tall player, it's hard to then find another place for him. You know, uh, not to point to guys on the roster, but there are guys on the roster that can only play, in my opinion, can only play tackle. And if they don't make a splash at that position, they get passed up. Then it becomes, well, everyone just thinks it's easy to move inside to guard. And if you don't have the pad level to play inside, you don't have the pad level to play inside. You're going to get reached. You're, you're, you're going to get all of these problems are going to come up maybe worse because of your size on the interior. So having a guy like Alex Birchmeyer that could possibly play four and or five positions, it gives you the bust rate. It lowers that. Like, there's a reason. It's not just that they want to have guys that can play any position for injury or whatever. Like, it, it gives you the opportunity to play guys wherever. And, and if they project differently than when you thought originally, it, you know, it, it margin for error. How about that? James Franklin always uh, loves talking about the margin for error, right? The one thing I'd add real t- t- is, like, Jalen Matthews is absolutely, like, he's that guy. He's a tackle. 
Yep. I think all these other guys are are, are versatile. Jalen uh, Jalen's absolutely uh, with his size, with his reach, and all those things. He's he's certainly going to be a tackle, but. Uh, he's twenty twenty five, so we'll be talking about him uh, yeah. a lot, I guess, over the next couple of years. But he won't be here, obviously, for almost two years too. And he could evolve into anything. Like you know, that's he's so young. But it's just one of those things I think that, from a football philosophy standpoint, I find interesting when we have these conversations. I can't um, imagine him adding two more inches, Jalen. <laughs> like, I, I think he's maxed out. I think, but who knows? We'll see. Uh, I'm not maxed out on uh, my appreciation. For Awkward Transitions, which is what I'm doing right now. We're talking about Rogue Shop. RogueShop.com, the official sponsor of the Blue White Illustrated Daily Edition live show. If you want to get some of the best, most professional uh, small batch cannabis farmers who specialize in sustainable plant medicine, check out Rogue Shop. And this 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 is what you need to do first off is use the promo code BWI for 10% off so they know you're coming from us and so you get a little bit off on your purchase. Um, but they got a bunch of great stuff that can help you out. Um, I have not slept in three days for some reason. Like, you know, just slept like garbage. So tonight I'm going to open up the bottle of the THC and uh, the the gummies that I take, the Delta 9 THCs, and I'm actually going to sleep for the first time in a couple of days because for some reason my body's like, no, you know, I know you've got this whole thing you're doing of working, but no, you're not gonna you're not gonna fall asleep tonight. So if you have issues like that, or if you have issues with chronic pain or chronic inflammation or any of these uh, things that reduce the quality of your life and cause damage to your body in a long term sense, holistic medicine, when combined with proper treatment, is a great way to heal your body and make sure you live a long, full, happy life. And believe it or not, that is uh, something that I think we all should strive for, is to live a long, full, happy life. So rogueshop.com, use promo code BWI for 10% off, and uh, help support the premier sponsor of the BWI Daily Edition, and that's Rogue Shop. That and my uh, awesome colleagues who are always here on the show helping me out with uh, bringing you guys great information and great content. We mentioned we were going to talk about Phil Troutwine. With all of this conversation about offensive linemen, damn, dude, he's on a roll. Ryan, you were talking about this the other day as far as noticing a trend that he says. So can you lay out what you were thinking about the other day? Yeah, we're talking about six straight four-star on 300 players, and one of whom is a five-star. When you include Cooper, when you include Jalen, and you include these four uh, young men, if Chimney gets here, excuse me, I don't want to come off as if he's not but if chimney is here which i do expect him to be uh you're talking about six four-star guys one of whom is a five-star i mean i was looking back so the other uh was it i think uh, last night i was just curious like what did ohio state bring in what did alabama bring in what did georgia bring in they all brought in three-star guys along the offensive line i think alabama or georgia one of those two signed multiple three-star guys so when when you're stacking up an offensive line cross a class across the country I didn't look at all those schools. There's a lot of them out there. Uh, but I, I, I'd be hard-pressed to find one that, that's probably going to be better than this when you add Chimney, who, of course, like I said, is an on 300 guy and uh, 203. So as long as they get that over the line tomorrow, I think they're going to. Uh, again, he's got a whole night to sleep on it. And in the NIL world, who knows what will happen some days. But uh, I, I expect him to be a nitty line. It seems to be certainly going that way. And, uh, hey, man, six, six four-star players, one of whom is a five-star. I don't know how any fan out there, when you also add in the progression you saw on the field this year, yeah. Fashion News on pace to be, who knows? I mean, certainly I think a first round guy, but 
maybe even a top 15, top 10 guy. Who knows uh, after this upcoming year? I don't know how any fan could could be uh, still concerned about that position. I mean, they're, they're look. I mean, one last thing I'll say: like when you think of Penn State, right? You think of running backs. You think of tight end. You think maybe cornerbacks now. What am I missing? Oh, linebacker, of course. I'd skip yeah. over the easy one. You think a linebacker, you think a tight end, you think a running back. There's a long way to go until you start thinking about offensive line as, as a premier position. But you're bringing in the talent, and we saw the development here from a couple guys this year that's thinking, oh, man, maybe this is going to turn into a strength here uh, yeah. over, this, over the back half of this decade. So the funny thing is, like, you don't notice it until you don't have it, and then when you don't have it for a decade – uh, then you really notice the offensive line. It's one of those things that makes everything easier, right? And you don't, because you think of it either as a group or just when they mess up um, and the, there's some sort of problem with the offense. But five individuals up front make up almost half of the offense. And if you can have half of your offense be a strength, this is what I was talking about, kind of my, my issue talking about offensive lines when we get to the college level, is when you break it down and you watch every play, somebody's making a, a mistake somewhere along the line. And you look at some of the players and some of them have deficiencies. And some of them aren't good at X, Y, or Z. And it's like, well, if you could force this group to do this, they're not going to play as well. But when you have fewer issues there, you can just do more. Penn State, like you want to throw the ball deep, you've got two good tackles. Throw the ball deep. Find out. Let's find out. Um, it all starts up, you know, it all starts up front, but you can't have one sided anything on any team, I think is, is a fair place to put that. Oh, we're gonna find out about them throwing deep this year, buddy. Don't worry about that. <laughs> I was just I watching Drew Hours. I was just watching Drew Aller highlights on Twitter from his uh quarterback coach in front of the show, Brad Mandler. Uh so yeah, he looks he's looking pretty good. We'll have to see what happens when they throw cover zero at him because that's what everyone likes to do now. Um, Lee, this is an interesting thing. Ryan, Lee says, yes, Phil Troutwine kicking butt. He changed my opinion on him. Hope we can keep him. Yeah. Um, how, how do you feel about that? Like the minute something like there's a psychology to this to me of like the minute something goes well, then it becomes the fear of losing it. But also mm -hmm. it's a reality in in college football. How do you ride that line when you're watching a guy have success at a program um, compared to then kind of this idea of now you're going to lose him? Like, is Penn mm -hmm. still in that position, I guess, is the question. Is he in line yeah. to be an OC or something like that? I, I'm sure, I mean, look, if you get – I don't see Trout as an OC or anything like that. What, this is what I would say. Remember that last contract when everybody was mad at James, you know, yep. uh, playing the game? The game's the wrong way to say it, but – he, flirting with other schools, whatever it be, it be like James has done this multiple times. He knows what his program needs to take that next step. If you paid attention to the site this week, they've added Dion Barnes. Obviously they've added a new recruiting coordinator. Like my point with all this is money is, seems to be there now. Is it Georgia money? Is it Alabama money? So Ohio state money, probably not to that level yet, but there is, has certainly been an influx of money when it comes to staff retention, staff's additions. I mean, I think I still expect to see more uh, recruiting additions. I know they're still uh, trying to add more, more recruiting staff. And when you, when you compare it to Georgia and some other schools, I mean, Penn State, I think from a recruiting perspective, I know this is a little off topic, but uh, I think they're still around 14, 15. Uh, well, they're maybe, maybe a little bit over that now. You know, you're still playing from behind with, with those elite programs that you're trying to catch that Penn State fans are comparing you to. I mean, I, yeah. I think Georgia's recruiting staff's up to nearly 25 or something like that now. So my point with all this is just the money's there now. So if, yeah, yeah. say 
maybe if a Florida, obviously he played at Florida, came after him, and and they can match the money, then you know certainly I think he'd have something to think about. But uh, when you're at Penn State and the money's there, clearly the money's there to match other offers. There's there aren't too many other schools that you absolutely have to to take, right? I mean, maybe yeah. the school you played at, you got you got a handful, maybe six, seven, eight schools that are probably on a different tier than Penn State right now. But hey, man, we're we're <laughs> We're talking about a Rose Bowl champs here. I know, obviously, they got in the Rose Bowl because of the other two teams in the Big Ten made the playoff. But uh, it's not like things are too bad right now. Compared to this to a year ago, uh, I, I think that there was more reason for that. But obviously, with those recruiting successes come expectations and, and come the attention of other people. So do I do I see Phil leaving? No, I don't. I don't. I think he's proven himself. Uh, and, and his family. Remember, Phil, Phil, I think Phil has a good chunk of kids, too. I think he's got a handful of them. They yeah, seem to be getting yeah, comfortable yeah. here at State College. So. Uh, but we'll see. Who knows, man? As I say this, someone's going to point to this someday when, when Phil leaves in seven, <laughs> eight months from now, or whatever it is. But uh, but my point is the money's there, guys. So it it, it yeah. seems to be a little bit of a different story now. Yeah, no, this is that's kind of what I wanted to dig into. Of um, there are certain guys that I would say are on the path to maybe being a head coach or being a defensive coordinator or something like that. Anthony Poindexter is already interviewed for head coaching positions. Manny Diaz has been a head coach. And I'm not saying that Phil Troutwine isn't one of those. He's not uh, that caliber of coach. It makes it sound like I'm saying he's not uh, as good of a coach as those guys. But it's just like offensive line coaches, I just feel like are kind of different. And uh, he's doing an excellent job at a great university that has respect and prestige. And he's, he's having the success he wants at least on the recruiting trail so far at Penn State. So it's just an inter- it, it's a very interesting situation when you've got certain guys that you don't want to lose. Uh, Kreiner had a question here. Actually, he didn't have a question. He had a question Oh, I earlier. saw this one. I wanted to get to this one. Oh, uh, no. But he, Never, I saw this last one earlier, and I was like, oh, yeah. boy. Yeah, this one could to, get bad. <laughs> I want. Do you want to answer his first question, or are we leaving that in the chat? Uh, I mean, I, I, Kreiner, what I would say. Hold on. Hold I don't on. want to Let get me... in trouble. Okay. <laughs> All right. uh, so I would we'll say with Daniel Harris. Well, I'll, I'll answer a little Daniel Harris a little bit more. I mean, there were certainly hold up, hold cer- up for, for our for our podcast audience. We have to set this up because this right. is here in the chat. He says, "Are there any wild recruiting stories from this cycle that you can share?" I know Daniel Harris was a Penn State and Georgia lock going back and forth about ten times. So that's what we've got going on in the chat. What uh, now? Say your piece about what you don't and do want to say here. I, I, I wish I could open up more. Someday we will open up about this one a little bit more because there are some interest. This was certainly the recruitment this year that was, uh, if you're the Penn State coaching staff, the most frustrating. I mean, there was no doubt in my mind that Daniel Harris's mother and Daniel were telling Penn State they wanted to come. It, his father, I think, cared more about NIL and got in with Georgia a little bit more. And then NIL, and I don't know if they've offered him more or anything like that. I can't speak to that kind of stuff. But what was frustrating in Penn State's perspective was they had him. I mean, he decommitted. He, he, he said different reasons why he decommitted. He decommitted because I think he wanted to come to Penn State, uh, to be yeah. flat out. And then kind of his dad got a little bit more involved. And that's where things were going back and forth and back and forth. And I think NIL had a, had a massive hand in that one in the end. So when you're Penn State and you do the work to get a guy from Georgia, who, by the way, was committed to a school who already plucked multiple of your players. So, like, yep, <laughs> they they were absolutely trying to pluck guys from Georgia this year. I mean, they, there's no doubt about that in my mind. They, they were aiming to try and get back at them. Uh, they had them. They had them where they wanted to. But when you can't get your whole 
family that kind of on board with that situation, it makes things a little bit more difficult. So uh, I do think NIL had a big part in that. Uh, Georgia's on a different level. All those SEC schools are playing a different game right now yeah. than what Penn State, not just Penn State, but Ohio State and Michigan too. Uh, I mean, Michigan State is the only Big Ten team right now who's playing the SEC game, which is, uh, you know, tell us what your Funds. number is. We'll see what we can get back. Yeah. yeah. But Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State are more, hey, this is what we got for you. You know, we're we're not just throwing crazy money around. Now, granted, quarterback might be a little bit different. Not saying at Penn State, but just at many schools. Yeah. Uh, but for most others, it's it's kind of this is what we have to offer. We're down the SEC. It's uh, give me your number. I'll get back to you in 48 hours. So this is this brings up a point you made earlier about recruiting staffs. And I was I was just how did Georgia find out about Yazid Haynes so quickly? You know, like. Well, and and Yazid uh, visited Josh Miller. Yazid, uh, Yazid was interested. Yazid went down there first, so okay. um, they did. They had their eye on him a little bit. They, I, I don't know a whole enough about like the lead up, but like obviously he goes to Penn State. He puts up impressive performances there. Whether they got more information or not, he does camp there. Then then they got the same information that Penn State had, and that that had a big hand in it. But they were they were showing interest in Yazid. You know, honestly, like, yeah. I don't want to talk down on Yazid, but like, I don't, I never felt like Yazid was a massive miss for them just because I don't think Yazid's hands were that great. And I, and I feel bad, like poorly talking about any kid, but you know, he had some great numbers and stuff, but, um, I don't know if he's a natural wide receiver. I'll leave it at that. And I, and I, I am the last person to ever talk down on kid, but that was, that was one decommitment where I was really kind of surprised Georgia came in. Josh Miller. I thought, Josh, I think Josh Miller is a great player. Awesome. I think Penn state certainly wishes they could have kept Josh Miller. Yazid yep. was kind of a situation where, yeah, they wanted him, but there was questions there about like, is he a natural receiver? Like, Cause Penn state, Penn state liked, there was a good part of Penn state's coaching or, you know, we'll say recruiting staff, just everybody in Lash who thought Yazid would be a better cornerback because just from a catching perspective, uh, he fought just wasn't the natural the with it. Yeah, he right. fought the ball in the air. That was that was one of the things that, um, you know, when we talked about him and, and when he committed, it was part of his profile. That's something he's got to work on. And um, But speed, man. Everyone loves of speed. Um, of course. Where we, got, where we got here? RS has a question for you. He says, memory, memory serves me right. Penn State will be over by two scholarships on the 85 scholarship limit. Do you project losing more to the portal with that in mind? They always kind of have it where we've seen this in multiple years now where they're expecting spring. Somebody's going to leave. Uh, something's going to happen. Uh, I, I, I would expect one or two more outgoings. Yeah, I mean, they have to have one or two outgoings. Now, I think that number maybe still includes a walk-on, and they give walk-ons every year. Like, Dominic DeLuca is going to have a scholarship. That guy's earned it. But they yeah. might include one or two others uh, who, when they make when they give them those, it's it's certainly by semester. And obviously, they don't ever want to take it. Like, the goal is just to have guys naturally leave and, and see where things go. But uh, this is certainly not the first year where they've been one or two over. And uh, it's just kind of natural. Somebody's going to leave after spring. Probably somebody else is going to leave in the summer. It's just, it's just how it works. Yeah. Yeah, and... and- if you want an early look into how that might look during the spring practice schedule, I, we, I did a roster reset at defensive end. And uh, first off, wow, Penn State is stacked at defensive end. I think this might be the best collection of talent they've had, if you include Abdul Carter, um, that I've seen at Penn State in terms of raw talent at the position and the potential for all these guys to play together at an elite level. But that also means coming up this spring, where does all that shake out? Does somebody get pushed down the depth chart? 
that's one area I'm looking at. So you can check that out, bluewhiteillustrated.com. Uh, a great time to remind you, sign up at bluewhiteillustrated.com. It is just $29.99 to get inside access and information, uh, to get all of our reporting, to get Ryan's reporting and Sean's reporting and Nate's reporting on basketball, wrestling, everything for $29.99 all the way until next football season. And you get to the BWI message board. You can ask questions on the, uh, on the mailbag show as well, which is coming up this week. Last reminder, if you're listening on the podcast, leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts with your question for the Mailbag Show. We'll get to that when we do the Mailbag Show. All right, so I want to talk about this quickly. One last comment on Phil Troutwine. Just super interesting. These trends seem to be very symmetrical. We talked about the other day the first commitment in a class, uh, or one of the first commitments in the class, and poised to have the last commitment uh, and the, the guy that they're going after in this signing day cycle in the second period where it's really hyper-targeted. And he, potentially, if he lands Ono, has landed two guys in really quick, high-pressure situations to form that relationship, to close and get a guy that you're targeting. So, you know, from the on-field part to the recruiting part, he is doing an absolutely marvelous job. I want to take a quick break and talk about something that isn't Penn State football. You're an Eagles fan, right? Uh, so I am, yes, <laughs> I, I would say I'm an Eagles fan. Uh, that's a complicated question. I am certainly uh, lean Philly. I wouldn't say I'm a diehard NFL fan of anyone in particular. Am I rooting for the Eagles? Have I been rooting for the Eagles through the playoffs? Yes. Um, I'm more of a whatever team I bet on that day kind of fan, if I'm being honest with you. Uh, okay. I don't, uh, right. you know, that's, I like, I like to dabble in a little NFL betting. So, but no, I'm certainly rooting for the birds. I'm really happy for Miles Sanders and, Man, this Super Bowl. I mean, you got Big Red going back, playing the Eagles. Yeah. Uh, obviously, you got the Kelsey story there. And I, I just think, I, I think Cincinnati, like, I think Cincinnati's probably the best true team in the AFC. Although, it sounds stupid to say, right? Mm, they just beat them. They, yeah. You don't think so? Who do you no, think is the offens- best team in the AFC? Their offensive line got too banged up. Um, I think it's the Chiefs. I, I think okay. that the best team did come out of here. What people don't realize is that they've invested a lot on defense. And uh, Steve Spagnuolo is an awesome defensive coordinator who comes up with just the most annoying game plan to ruin your offense. Um, and they dial it up in, in the playoffs. They're, they do a great job, especially in big pressure situations. Uh, as a defensive coordinator, Steve Spagnolo has been one of the best playoff coordinators. You go back to what he was doing with the Giants, beating Brady and that undefeated team. Uh, this is a really good team. And their offensive line, they've invested a lot of... One of the reasons they don't have Tyreek Hill anymore is because they invested so much in protecting Patrick Mahomes. So Orlando Brown, Joe Tooney, Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith. That's a really really good offensive line and when you put all that together with Mahomes they're thin at wide receiver right now but they still have Travis Kelsey so these are the two best teams in the NFL talent wise going up against each other I you know as much as you know I have my own rooting opinions from an analysis standpoint you couldn't get a better game this is a stacked game I love this game I can't wait uh hopefully Nobody wants to we... commit or anything like that day. <laughs> I'm trying to have everybody over. Uh, you know, if I have to get a keg, I will. We're going to have an awesome, awesome time for this game. I cannot wait for it. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I'm pulling for the Eagles. I'm sure there's a lot of Eagles fans in here. I'm sure there's a lot of Steelers fans, too. My wife's a Steelers fan. 
You know, I grew up in a cowboy. I grew up in a Cowboys house. I don't want to say that too loud. Ugh. I'm not a Cowboys fan. I, that was the one thing. Uh, I love my dad to death. I'll do anything for him. I wasn't going to be a Cowboys fan. So, uh, you know, NFL to me is just, man, put red zone on and enjoy some some awesome football. Uh, so, you know, I, I'm definitely pulling for the birds, though. But I, I can't pretend I'm a diehard fan. I just There's a lot of people probably watching this right now who are more diehard fans than me, and I don't want to pretend that, that I am uh, matched up. That sounds like a healthier way to spend your Sundays after working six days uh, covering Penn State football to then not go into the high-pressure emotional situation of I have to have my team win or else I'm going to have – uh, like you ever hear of th- there's actually a term for when your team loses, there's a psychological effect. It's like you lost. You then feel as if you have failed at something, which is like the whole thing about sports. That's the secret sauce. Um, after the bills lose, I, j- I promise you, like if I am not the same person and I like, <laughs> it, it's just, it's the, it's the worst way to live. It's the worst way to live. I'm sure these people in the chat can relate, right? I mean, hey, but Pensei had a good year, though, so we're, yeah. we're not looking at losses. It's, it was a good year for them. Um, so let's take a let, let uh, one last question about 2023 uh, before we get to really the, the breakdown of the class. When do you put the thread to bed? When do you put the 2023 thread Ooh. to bed for all those people who um, preview? Uh, this is what you would, where you fits. get your information on uh, the message board. Okay. If you're watching, chime in. Uh, I want to see a comment. Uh, I think Fitz was watching earlier. I don't know if he probably. It's usually uh, he's probably got bass and putting kids down and stuff now. But I, I would think another week or two probably. But uh, we'll see. I mean, there, there's gonna be a little bit of discussion maybe after. But uh, that's a, that's more of a question for Sean. I, that's a good. I don't know. I didn't think about that. Usually, I mean, we'll take it down off the off the sticky you know threads at the top. And if it comes back, it comes back. We'll see. If you want to know what that means, bluewhiteillustrated.com, the only place you're going to find out. Uh, So let's take our last look back at the class, kind of look at this uh, class in specifics. So uh, I want to give kind of the the wide view, but um, should we do early enrollees first, or do you want to do kind of the review? Okay, so let's let's look at the... um, the class as a whole, just so people know what we're talking about. We mentioned the offensive line, and we, we gave you an idea of what we're working with here. So here is the on three Penn State uh, class. And one of the cool things at on three specifically is that you'll get a comparison, as you can see here, with all the major sites. So if you're mad that Javen Williams isn't high enough in the on three consensus, you can come in here and you can look at who you need to be mad at or Alex Birchmeyer. Uh, but here's the class as it stands. <laughs> Uh, except for when it's on three that he's lower in except that no but anyway go on go on (laughs) uh who stands out to you in terms of i guess the um surprised you in this class where you didn't see a rise coming or you didn't see something from that play where they turned out to be something more than you expected oh gosh um Zion Tracy certainly surprised me a little bit just because he went from this guy at camp that was shutting down a Johnny Shakir and like, okay, it's a good performance. But like Zion camped the year before and he had a good performance then, but he just seemed like to be on a different level this year. And and the what's hard, I guess, for me is St. Thomas More, like they, they, I don't, I haven't seen a ton of new film, new games for, There's and nothing. Zion didn't even play. Like he Zion didn't play didn't DB. Play. 
Yeah, he didn't even. Well, he did play DB a whole lot. He did play DB a little bit against IMG and one or two other games. Like when they played elite talent, he played. And I got to give him Charles Power a lot of credit for that stuff because, like, we talked about that when Zion committed, and like the guy actually like made sure to get the IMG game then to to really kind of break it down. So I got to give him credit for that stuff. But but Zion's rise. I mean, obviously he had some great testing numbers and things like that. But that was one where. Yeah, he went from like a okay, this is going to be you know a solid three star addition, and then boom, like all of a sudden he's a, a top one three hundred guy. So that certainly stands out. I would say Chimney, if he commits, kind of fits that role too, just because we weren't talking about Chimney a whole lot. I mean, he's committed to Old Dominion uh, just a few months ago, and you know now he's a two oh seven in the country. So that grabs my attention. I think the. Are we talking about underrated guys still, or where we want to go with that? Because there's, I mean, there's we can go. Yeah, let's go there next. Yeah, yeah, let's so, go there next. And hold on, the one, and I'm so stupid because I skipped over the one guy I did want to mention is I will say that James Franklin, when we were doing that press conference, who was the one guy he brought up, T. Frank? It was Tyree, Tyree. Blanding. He's like, yeah. I don't know why any of you guys aren't talking about Tyree Blanding. I put on this guy's film and I'm like, what, what, what's going on here? Like, what am I not? Uh, this guy's great. So, uh, Tyreek was another situation where there's just limited film. I think yep. Chris the King went like, oh, and 10 this year or something like that. Like, they didn't have a great year. Uh, so, yeah, he might be a guy we end up sleeping on down the road. I would say guys who are underrated or guys that uh, I think can outdo the rating. Certainly, if Penn State didn't have Nick Singleton and Katron Allen, like I really like Cameron Wallace and all the different things that he does, uh, yeah. just different ways he's shown his athleticism. That do you think guy, he could be that third back next year? Do you think he can fit into that role and at play as a freshman? Because they do need a third back. Yeah, uh, it's so hard for me to say. Just and the only reason I say that is just because he the one knock, the one thing that would concern me, I guess, is just like the level of competition he plays. And like, don't worry, like Georgia's single A is, uh, I don't know, probably like three or four A here. Uh, yeah. So that, I mean, and that kind of goes against what I'm saying, but like he was playing like just very, very small schools out there. So will this be a, a jump that he's not quite ready for? I, I, I think he would be a great player uh, that will stack up and you know, maybe contribute on special teams and stuff like that. But I also think like Katron Allen and Nick Singleton, dude, like they are... I, I, I can see them trying to to do like remember when Saquon had his year and like they were just yeah. pounding Saquon to try and yep. like up the stats. Like I can see that kind of a year coming up for especially because you have two of them, right? So yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. but but like Cam brings some different qualities too. Like I, I can see Cam helping uh, you know, maybe maybe in some different ways, but I just I feel like they're gonna try and rack up those stats and build uh Nick and Katron's national claim uh to a different level this year. Some somebody asked me about the running back position uh, the other day, and uh, they're like, "Well, what about a transfer running back?" And you know how this has been a conversation all off season. And I, I got to the point, Ryan. I just thought about it this way: if Penn State is playing their transfer running back, the season's not going the way you want it to anyway. Yes, like you're not yes. bringing in a guy who's gonna like, okay, so Nick and Catron are injured, but don't worry, we got X. And that's going to definitely do it for you. Like, if that happens, that's just a, a thing you've got to accept here for 2023 is that these guys are special and important. And if they get injured, they get injured. And that's going to be a part of the story. Um, another, do you, do you have a follow-up there? I heard well, you. Well, yeah, I was, I was, uh, one thing I would just say is like Elliot Washington came on campus and like has tested really well and really impressed the staff so He's far. He's one of my favorites. Yeah, so I want to make sure he gets his due. Uh, he's one of those guys who, like, obviously four-star guy. Penn State expected him to to do well, uh, but I think like the way he's tested and, and his early 
maturity and things like that. The staff, excuse me. And Alex Birchmeyer, like Alex is already incredibly gifted and all those things, but he's he came onto campus and I don't want to say exceeded expectations because we, we, we really thought he would be great, but just in everything from his weightlifting to his shuttle times to all these different little things, uh, he's really done a great job. So I just want to make sure those guys get the credit that uh, they're getting from people inside Lash right now because people are really excited about those two and what they've seen so far. And, and I can say the same thing about Tony Rojas and a couple other guys too, but just from my talks with people that those two have seemed to be the most spoken about. Matthew Paluti says, Jameel Lyons needs some love. Uh, he I love Jamil Lyons. I do. That, that's what happens when you sign a great class like this. I mean, uh, <laughs> I know, I know, it wasn't top ten and stuff like last year, but uh, there's a lot of guys. I mean, Jamil Lyons. I, man, I went and saw him play Wilson, and it, it was the funniest game because uh, that first quarter, I mean, Wilson was was doing really well, and I was like, man, is is Roman gonna, you know, kind of get pushed over here by Wilson? With I mean, Wilson's a great program, but they were down a little bit when it comes to. Uh, what I would consider some of their other teams in previous years. And, man, Jamil, I don't want to say Jamil's the one that took over that game because they've had a few others who stepped up as well. But from an off, uh, from a defensive line perspective, uh, it felt like he just kind of flipped the switch a little bit. And I think yeah. he had, I don't know, it was something around eight, nine tackles, a bunch of tackles for loss, a couple sacks. I mean, he really stepped it up in that second corner. And then on the offense, of course, they they fired it up. But uh, I love Jamil Lyons. I mean, I, I feel like Jamil will need a year, but I can say that about the, the vast majority of defensive yeah. linemen. Yeah, I, I agree with that, and that's kind of my assessment why I haven't been a little more hesitant about him because I you see the raw physical tools. I mean, his fluidity and his length with his size is awesome, and and maybe he's not the fastest guy in the world, but he's not slow. It's just there, there's a lot of things in his technique that it, I don't want to pump him up too much because then you've always got the worry of, okay, then he doesn't play right away, we just talked about how I just talked about how deep defensive end is. You don't want to set up false. Ex- My whole thing has always been the wet blanket of don't set false expectations for these guys. Um, but Jamil Lyons, as far as talent and ceiling, he's up there in this class. It's just there's a lot I think from a technical standpoint I want to see too. Setting false expectations is what this job is all about, buddy. Hey, buddy, it took you two years to learn that. Oh, you man. need no, a kidding. foil. You need. We a try fo- not to do it. It's one of those jobs though where like. You know, they're all teenagers, right? And, you know, we're, yes. we're rating them as four stars and three stars and things like that. But they're all great players. And I've learned over the years that, you know, if you just lean too much on those four-star guys and, and you kind of push off some of the guys you're rated lower, you're going to look stupid in the end. So I, I feel I'm not trying to over-talk and, uh, you know, pump up two guy, too many guys too much. But I've just seen so many examples of... You can't sleep on any of these guys. And it, it's a hard business, too, from the perspective. I'm not trying to, like, pat ourselves on the back or anything. But, like, there are tens of thousands of guys out there. Like, guys yeah. are going to fall through the cracks. I mean, at on three specifically, I mean, we're still, like, one-third of the size is 24-7 in some of those sites, you know. So just trying to thoroughly scout everybody and do all those things, it's, it's a difficult task to do. I think our – I genuinely not trying to kiss ass here, but I think our, our staff's done a great job with it. And yeah. as, as you have as well, T. Frank – um, but you know, you're, you're, you're just looking at tens of thousands of players in a class. One of my, so one of the reasons I'm sitting here doing this show and what, why I do what I do is because I always have a hard time trusting other people given the industry as a whole, but Charles power specifically, every time he and I have a conversation or every time I hear something he said about a Penn state prospect that I've, I've reviewed and it's like, I agree. 
I don't feel like there's any politicking or any BS or there's not a lot of he says what's true and he doesn't embellish anything. So like I feel like if you if you're interested in knowing the truth about these guys, on three's rankings are about as close as you can get to what we can we can actually know about mm -hmm. these prospects. And he does an amazing job. Part and, of his work here is the is finish up finish up your thought there. Sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just cutting you off. Like just for someone who's worked at Rivals, someone who has friends at twenty four seven, like everybody's like trying to do their best with that i don't want to like come off as like people are playing favorites with guys and pushing people up like that's one thing that always obsesses me when i see um people on twitter like oh you know you're just friendly with this kid or this coach and that's why he's pushed up like that's really like at on three for example like our our scouting staff is completely separate from what i consider myself which is like recruiting and journalism you know like they yeah. purposely keep us separated to make sure that uh, you know, my opinions, just because I've become really close with Tony Rojas, uh, which Tony's a bad example there because Tony doesn't talk to anybody, but somebody <laughs> else will say, uh, you know, they, they don't influence things too much. But yeah. we got a lot more to talk about. I don't want to bore people with that stuff. But uh, yeah. I, I do like how they separate us. Like, I mean, obviously I talk to Charles, but, uh, you know, like there's there's no... Like, hey, man, you need to look at this guy more because uh, I think he's a good player. Charles is like, yeah, I'll, I'll handle it, dude. Like, go do your job. Uh, this is the on three hour. I just want everyone at, uh, on three headquarters to know that we've done a great job promoting the site. Here we are yes. with the team rankings. This is, this is why I have this screen up here is because, uh, tomorrow, if Penn state lands Chimdi Ono, they are here with 14, uh, four star players. If they get 15, that's a pretty good number that gets us into the conversation you and I have had before of borderline top 10 class, depending on how mm -hmm. the five stars and everything else uh, shakes out. So do you think Penn State, if they can, they move anywhere? And I just realized I'm covering it up here. Can they move anywhere here at a 13th? And, and how do you see this shaking out tomorrow? So the issue I think we'll see is USC at 14. They're down they have 20 commitments right now. And USC yeah. is expected to get a couple guys tomorrow. So I can see that 91. Oh, by the way, Penn State's number, guys. Some of you guys are going to like this. Penn State's number right now is 91-409. Hey, everybody out there, 409. Um, <laughs> but anyway, 91-374 is uh, USC's number. So they're right on Penn State's tail. I mean, Penn State... I think USC is going to add a couple players tomorrow. I'll probably jump ahead Penn State. So even if Penn State does bump up a little bit uh, and get closer to Tennessee, there I could see USC passing both of them, which is why PSU will probably stay in that in that thirteen range. But uh, I mean, I, I was pushing all year, man. You get the fifteen four stars, you have a legit chance at a top ten class. Uh, I just think when you look at the top ten, though, I mean, there's a lot of examples of classes go or. Um, programs going above and beyond than what we've yeah. seen in previous years you, you got oklahoma getting three five stars and 12 four stars you got notre dame with 19 four stars you got oregon yep. with 16 you got clemson with 16 uh it's it's it was a really good year for the school to the top which i don't think is a coincidence that this is the big year that nil came into play and that's kind of yeah. impacting some things so not that we don't see that in other years but i do think it's a situation where the rich are going to get richer here or uh if your school maybe isn't rich on the field you're rich off the field so you're going to look rich <laughs> in recruiting rankings which uh is yeah. that team up there in, in number six right now yes i took a shot at miami <laughs> so it's uh this is kind of where everything is right now we'll keep you updated bluewhiteillustrated.com nate bauer will have his uh, article of where things shake out i know he loves that particular uh article we were talking about that earlier today so you can see where all that lands tomorrow on the site if they do end up getting chim diono and of course you know where everything else lands because that's part of the conversation last thing here is i want to get to 
looking forward as much as we can with this class. We've mentioned a couple of these guys. You've talked about a couple of them, but I wanted to give everybody who maybe doesn't know, these are the early enrollees that are on campus right now. I left off Zion Tracy because he wasn't a high school-specific prospect, so that's my bad. But Mega Barnwell, Alex Birchmeyer, Anthony Donko, Lamont Payne, Tony Rojas, Joey Schlaffer, Jackson Smollock, Elliot Washington, Javen Williams, and Tamir Robinson. So is this a good representation of a class in terms of early enrollees? Um, is this above or below where Penn State has been in the past? Uh, pretty much about on average. The, the only year, I think pretty much in every year, I think over the last three, four years, except for the COVID year, uh, they had somewhere around 10 to 11. I think we've seen 12 or 13 at one point. Uh, the COVID year, I think, was seven. Uh, so that mm -hmm. was down a little bit. And there was obviously many, many reasons for that. So uh, yeah, it's about average. Uh, I think I saw, I think it's Alabama. They Alabama had like has only like four or five guys who haven't signed yet. I'm sure you guys can pull that up there. I was looking uh, the other day at just some of the top classes out there. And I think Alabama has almost like three quarters of their class enrolling early. So uh, this is a big, this is a big deal. Uh, this is becoming more of a, an emphasis everywhere. I think, yeah. I think what will be interesting with this is the all-star games, the Under Armour game, the All-American Bowl, more and more schools are kind of saying wink wink nudge nudge maybe you shouldn't do this you should you know don't risk injury and also yep. they usually overlap when schools are starting up uh for yeah. example penn state i know is you know, the all-american bowl and then like i went down the all-american bowl two years ago drew aller plays in it drew aller flies to cleveland and then drives to state college all 24 hours after he played in that game so i'll just be curious to see the impact as this grows and grows and grows and i know it's it's been around for 10 years now but it's just there's no one's every, losing numbers like they're yeah. just growing every year um you know how would that maybe impact those uh, all-star games moving forward uh who on this list to you and I, i'll put it back up here who on this list to you stands to benefit the most from being here this winter Ooh, you're so hard with these damn questions you don't give me before <laughs> uh, i'm teasing i mean i would say i think birchmeyer is one of the few offensive linemen who like could legitimately maybe get into the rotation and I, i'm not if you asked me that two months ago i didn't think that i just think that from talking to people and how impressed they've been uh and don't get me wrong i was impressed with javen two months ago i want to clarify that but uh i just think he's really 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 impressed here in recent weeks so i mean tony rojas probably benefits a good bit because he needs to add weight uh he has all the athleticism all the different things you know getting there at spring practice adding the weight but also just getting into that rotation where there's like good linebackers at penn state but they still need a little more depth there so i think that helps tony uh, I would say Elliot Washington just because of how much he's impressed people, but they're also yeah. pretty deep at corner. So we'll, well, we'll see with here's, that. But. Here's an interesting thing. I agree with you, but I still, I'm still on the, on the train of they were trying to get Daniel Harris because he's a good football player, right? I don't mm -hmm. want to make it about one thing. He's obviously a quality prospect, but he has that length, right? He has yes. that length and he has that ability to play the position from a physical standpoint. They go out and they target Storm Duck, who is a physical six foot, two hundred pound guy who doesn't have the speed of some of the other guys that they've recruited, but he has that boundary corner ability. Elliot Washington is stacked. You know, like one of my favorite things to watch was him just run on film because he's got great speed. And I think if you give him the opportunity, he can he can shove some guys around and play against physical bodied receivers. So if you're looking at it from that perspective, I think there's a role for him. But at the same time, Johnny Dixon and Kalen King 
they're not going to be, I don't know, they're going to be sharing the same spot anymore next year. So there's an, I guess there's just a world in which I could see Elliot Washington cracking the, because I, of his I skills, could. cracking into the mm-hmm. depth chart. No, I agree. Uh, from, I'm just looking at Duck and, and Kalen, of course, and, and Dixon. Yeah. We'll, we'll see what we'll see what happens there. But uh, yeah, certainly. I mean, he's really impressed everybody so far. I mean, again, I said earlier, uh, Birchmeyer and Elliot have probably been the two that people are talking about the most. I think the other guy I want to point out here is the the, the guy that I highlighted on the graphic, which is Tamir Robinson. Mm-hmm. After not playing and being, you know, rehabbing his injury, I think it'll be good for him to to get in the weight room and to be around the the atmosphere of football again I, I can't imagine that that was easy for him over the last you know however long that was since his injury it was october 2021 so i mean he's yeah. missed for almost two years i think he played like four or five games uh his his junior season so i mean he's missed about one and a half seasons yeah so, yeah i mean he's been cleared for a little while now so but i i totally agree with you on that and i actually when you put that list up i was thinking about mentioning him uh, I, I totally agree. Just having him get in spring ball yep, in a setting yep. where it's not as heightened and, you know, you got to be on your game every week because you got a game here in four days. Like, the, I think it's a great setting for him to, to uh, you know, get, get the juices flowing again and get back into the mix. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Tamir's going to need time coming back from that injury, no doubt about it. But uh, definitely getting spring ball reps, getting those, whatever it is, 15-plus practices, I think will really help him. Yeah, and, and just getting in the flow of football again, I think that'll and, be really good for him. I feel for uh, Tamir, man, because Tamir, I mean, like if, when it comes to ratings and all that stuff, like I have yeah. people ask all the time, like, how does Tamir go from here to here? And it's just, man, when you're when you're comparing him to all these other players, you don't have film for a year and a half. It's just it's it's hard not to not to drop guys when you're seeing progression nationally from so many others, because that yeah, we know we're talking about how earlier like Charles and us are separated. But that's one guy we've talked about is. Like Charles doesn't didn't want to drop Tamir at all, but there's so many guys all over the place who are just showing this progression, showing uh, the, their strengths and weaknesses in different spots. Where it's just like I don't I don't have a choice. I have to. So yeah, I just I feel for Tamir a little bit because I think he's kind of gone under the radar, especially with Tony Rojas's emergence and, and obviously getting KV on keys at the end. Um, and yeah, ho- hopefully he'll he'll prove everybody wrong and uh, you know end up crushing it. We have a couple questions here that we're going to round out the show with. Uh, and first, we're going to start with a statement. The the bearded one himself, Michael McCollin, says, I'm here for the quality, personalities, and the growing community. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you, Appreciate Michael. Appreciate you. Yeah, he's a, he's a new regular. I love it when we got new regulars. And I'm going to say a quick piece here before we get to the, the last couple questions. Uh, this has been a record-breaking January for Blue White Illustrated for the podcast and for the YouTube show, and I want to thank everybody who's been here. We're getting into February. We're going to find out who the true grinders are. I'll be here. <laughs> so if you guys want to show up, with I me, we'll be no, talking kidding, about kidding. football I'll, theory. I'll be here. No, you need some time off, my guy. You need some time I'll, off. <laughs> give me two weeks. We'll talk like third week or so. I'm definitely taking the next two weeks and chilling a little bit. But go ahead. I apologize for cutting you off. No, it's just, but that's what we're doing here is we're we're building a show we're building a relationship with people, and I love this. Like, I never wanted specifically in my life to get into radio. That's where I started, though. And uh, I just love the ability to create connections with people and to talk about – just talk about football. That's all I've ever wanted to do. And this ability to do this and the people that have responded to it. I mean, we did more than double – what we did this time last year in terms of engagement and people listening to the show. So thank you. I know I said this after the, the Rose bowl game, but it's been another like football has been over for a month and we still have the same number of people showing up every day. 
I love that. And it's because of people like uh, 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 all of our regulars. I'm going to leave people out. Mike has always been here. Michael, um, Steven, uh, all the guys who have been here on a regular basis. Jason, who always gives a thumbs up to every video. Appreciate all of you guys. You need to take a page from Franklin. Franklin always says this in his press conference. Well, I can't name everybody. I want to forget somebody. You got to take that page from James, man. James has taught us that. You can't name yes. names because then you're going to forget But then he somebody. does. So. Here's the thing he is does. then he does. <laughs> but I do respect him for that, though, because it, he's in a tough spot there. You got 85 guys. You're talking about a position group. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, sure, he'll think of three. And then, you know, there, there's always a fourth that's doing well and not getting the credit, especially when, you know, they're younger guys emerging. Like, that matters, man. That matters to those guys when they're not getting on the field, but they're, they're, they're grinding in practice. Uh, a couple questions here. And, of course, it's going to say we – we have talked about this class in, in I think, good terms, and uh, it hasn't been perfect. So Mark brings up one question. Where are all the four-star defensive linemen? We mentioned, hey, don't forget about Tyreek Blanding, a three-star. But defensive tackle is one area you could say is a miss in this class and has been a common theme. So that coupled with Lambda's question, another regular here, does Barnwell eventually end up at defensive tackle? Do you believe he'll stay at uh, tight end? Or is he at another position on the off uh, on on the line of scrimmage? Yeah. So let me let me answer the first question. The defensive linemen, the quality defensive linemen, they're all down south. Honest to God, that's that's the one of the biggest issues for Penn State right now. Let, let's just go through the top ten here uh, for on three. David Hicks, Texas. Peter Woods, Alabama. James Smith, Alabama. Jordan Hall, Florida. Uh, Mateo Ugalele. I I know I butchered it, but California. Uh, you no, have, I put you myself have... on screen while you were talking. I'm just sorry. Oh, I did notice that, but I wasn't <laughs> going to call you out. Uh, but my point is just like they are – the elite defensive linemen are always down south. I mean, I can name more. You got Reuben Bain, uh, Florida. You got Devin Hobbs. Hobbs was somebody they actually were in the mix a little bit. Goes to Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee's incredibly aggressive with NIL right now, so I understand that. I mean, Jason Moore from DeMatha was their best bet at a premier – uh, defensive tackle. Of course, he ends up at Ohio State. Uh, Larry Johnson, I think most Penn State fans should uh, obviously, you're upset he goes to Ohio State, but I think you need to, res- I think most of you guys respect what Larry Johnson's done in his career to understand that to some degree. But I mean, just even if you go from 10 to 11, you got Kedrick Falk, Alabama, you got Jordan Renald, Texas. I mean, I'll just roll through them. Georgia, Florida, Georgia, Texas, Florida, Missouri, Alabama, Georgia, and then you go to Brennan Vernon from Ohio, who's number 20. I mean, they are, it, so this is going to be a hard position for Penn State to recruit because all the best guys are in areas where all the top schools are not only recruiting, but they're throwing money around that that Penn State, and again, not just Penn State, but most of the Big Ten schools aren't getting in that that game yet. So I agree with you. I, I understand that position. I've said multiple times, I think defensive defensive tackles one of the one of the few spots that's a difference maker, a spot that Penn State really needs. But yeah. man, they're 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 just not a lot of guys in this area uh that they can they can really push for. And then you're when you're recruiting out of your area and you're recruiting against, you know, half those guys I think I named are from Georgia or Florida, it's uh oh, I don't even know. It's 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 just a hard proposition. Especially when Florida is you know, under Billy Napier seems to be going in the right direction on the recruiting trail at the very least. So like, yeah, you know, and until they one of the major shot his $13 million contract. And who knows there, yeah. I mean, they were doing great there. No, they were, yeah. but like, <laughs> I, I'd be, my point with that is I'd be really curious to see how Georgia responds or excuse me, Florida responds yeah. uh, from that Jaden Rashada fiasco, which by the way, Penn state, there was one point where Penn state had a shot with Jaden Rashada. And I've talked about those people on our message board and Penn state moved on from Jaden Rashada and boy, 
does that look good right about now? Because I think yeah. there was clearly it wasn't about skill. There was other things going on there that they did not like. Uh, this is another point that I think is interesting that we didn't mention. We talked about some of these players. I'm going to throw in Dakari Nelson as another guy that's one of my favorites in this class. Time for Penne. Really, I'm assuming he's a fan of pasta. Penn State hanging on to elite recruits uh, in the South in this class, combined with not letting regional guys get away, is impressive. How do you feel like the team, in, in the, the staff, I should say, in this particular cycle was able to get work done in the South. They didn't get everybody they wanted. Derek LeBlanc is, you mentioned, one of the guys that got away. Uh, and they didn't get everybody in the region, but they were able to hang on to a lot of guys in Virginia and down mm -hmm. South. Um, how do you view that as a uh, step forward or just a this cycle, these players sort of thing? Mm -hmm. So uh, I will answer that in a second. I apologize. I did forget to, add, to answer Lambda's question about where uh, Barnwell will end up, and I want to make sure we try and get all of them. I, I do think that that's... I think that Penn State wants him to be an offensive tackle. I don't think Matthias has that in his head that he wants. Like, yeah. I think he wants to play every position but offensive tackle. Yeah. So we'll see where it comes out this spring uh, because I think this spring he'll, I don't want to say reality check, but like it, it should maybe, uh, he should see a little bit that he's going, uh, he won't be going to get trapped yet yet, but the, the tight end room that they have there. Uh, yeah. It's just kind of a different level of athleticism. And I think Matthias Barmore could be a great player. I don't want to talk down on him. I just think that, man, that that body shape is perfect for offensive tackle. That's where Penn State he, wants him. He has an embrace that he's a big man. He wants to be mm -hmm. an athlete. But here's the thing is like, and this is the, I said this since he was a ninth grader. You know how much offensive tackles make in the NFL? Like, I, I get it. Listen, like, you know, as, as a short, stocky dude, I always wanted to be an athlete too. I had to accept I it. at a certain point. You know, Ryan gets it. All of the dudes that are not the uh, the tall, all slender, the sports journalists dudes. in the world. Yeah, that's all exactly. Of us. <laughs> and and so I I totally get it. Like, but at the same time, he has rare skills, and if he can realize that, he is he can. You don't like it's 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 a good career move. Is I guess mm -hmm. what I would impress upon him, which I mm -hmm. think is what you're trying to say as well. Yes. Yeah. I, I just I, I think Penn State prefers that the defensive tackle talk was kind of a meet me in the middle kind of thing, I think. And mm -hmm. and we'll see. Maybe defensive tackle will be there. But I, I think if you got to pull Penn State's coaches and their recruiting staff, uh, I think the vast majority of them would lean on offensive tackle. So uh, to go to the other question then, I would I would just note that they found Penn State guys down south. Like Dakari Nelson fits Penn State. King Mac, King Mac is someone I really wish I could get to know more. But from talking to everybody, because King just doesn't into the interviews, and I get it. Like it's it gets annoying after a while. But uh, these are guys that just care about the things that Penn State people care about. You know, when it comes to not just academics is always part of it, but just you know money and the influences of NIL and that stuff. It's not a, just about that. It's about getting on the field and proving yourself and and all the things I think Penn State fans care about. So that was that was the big thing to me. I think when it, when you look at those Southern guys and how they pulled in because as I got to know them more, um, you know, Con I, I know I sound like patting myself on the back here, but Conrad was the only one that never really I got that mold from. And I only got to talk mm -hmm. to Conrad a couple times. When I when I talked to Conrad and I talked to King, they're different. And, and I could mm -hmm. and I could I could definitely get the vibe that King fit Penn State more just by the way they talked, the way the things he cared about. Uh, you know, just I mean Conrad brought up like NIL with me before and stuff and just when I get that from guys, it just 
eh, maybe this won't work out. And it didn't work out for Conrad. So that's just interesting to me. But but look, a Rose Bowl, a 10-2 and two season, when it comes to pulling in and, and, and holding on to all these guys, uh, winning matters too. And, th- and that yeah. had a massive part in it. Uh, sure, they lost to Ohio State. They lost to Michigan. Uh, of course, that Ohio State game was incredibly close. And I think a lot of guys were in were on campus uh, to see that up close as well. And, and I mean, how many times have we seen that Ohio State-Penn State game, especially at Beaver Stadium, uh, really seem a lot closer than uh, maybe what the final score showed you? And uh, Penn State's able to use that well and say, hey, man, you know, you're the missing piece to get us over that line. So I think that had a lot to do with it, just winning. And then from those guys who were outside the region, you know, guys who really fit Penn State and understand what Penn State's culture is about. Ryan, I've been having so much fun, I forgot to check the clock. We're we're overtime, so you get paid overtime, which is um, another beer, I think. So, thank you. Uh, I, my, it's all quiet upstairs now. It was not quiet earlier, so maybe my kids are to bed, and uh, yeah, I can enjoy another beer. But most likely, I'll have to uh, finish that up. But uh, appreciate everybody, guys. Uh, I had a lot of fun these last couple of weeks. Uh, I'm going to try and enjoy the dead period because February is like the only real dead period. Now, the July dead period is where everybody commits. And then the August dead period uh, is obviously when spring practice or uh, preseason practice starting. So we're going to try and enjoy the uh, only slow time. I'm going to take my kids out to uh, some children's museums and do some fun things these next weekend. But I promise uh, towards the end of the month, T. Frank will we'll do a good show. Yeah, we got some fun things planned. Like I got some, I got some fun ideas that we're trying to execute that uh, we'll let you know when they happen. So stick around, bluewhiteillustrated.com. Of course, like I said before, like the video. And again, thanks for always being here. We will be back tomorrow. We'll talk to you then.